The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm really excited to have Rachel Martins on my show today. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing great today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited you're here, too. So you are one of the few people so far that has reached out to me and said, Hi, I heard your show, and I would love to come on. So I'm so excited that you reached out and said, Put me on, Tara Brewster. So how did you hear about the show and, and what made you want to come in today? Well, I've actually been doing some work with the Yoga Sanctuary. And as I was looking at their website, I saw that they had been on your show. And I thought, that sounds like so much fun. I would love to come on and talk about my business as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah, they're, they're such great people up there. I actually just signed up for um, one of their retreats. I'm blanking on what it is, maybe yoga and at the end of September or beginning of October. Um, I love their mini retreats. I did one on menopause um, a couple months ago, and then I just saw this one. That's like a two-hour just siesta, it sounds like. so. I love that. I'm actually in the works to put on a couple of parenting workshops at their studio as well in the next couple of months. So I'm really excited awesome. about collaborating with them. Would it incorporate any, like, kid yoga or family yoga it's actually not yoga related it's more parent directed Got it. okay well we'll get into that later but okay. yeah I'm, I'm always wanting to do yoga with my kids and I feel like my yoga studio it's like no you can't bring your kids in here but anyway so we'll, we'll talk more about yoga later totally. um, so so you told me that you're a um, almost lifelong 413 native um, so will you tell me a little bit about your background and and how long you've been here Sure. I actually was born in Oregon. And when I was six, my parents moved back here with myself and my sister. And we settled in Hatfield, which is where I spent my childhood. And I graduated from Smith Academy. Um, and then when I went to college, I moved away and I traveled the world. And then I missed Western Mass so much that I came <laughs> back and wanted to make this my home. I knew that I wanted to raise children here. I just really love it here so much. Yep, ditto. Similar, sim lots of similar stories of people growing up in Western Mass and having to leave because we all don't really know any better. We all think that there are other places as magical as this. And then we end up coming back, some of us, which is great. Totally. Yeah. And so what town do you live in now? I live in Belchertown now with my family, my husband and my three daughters. And I also love it there. It's nice to get to see what's on the other side of the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and so, you know, when we were talking a little bit, you were telling me that you're a teacher. So was that something that you always wanted to do? Or is that something that sort of came to you later in life? I actually, actually accidentally fell into teaching. I, after college, I had no idea what to do. And a friend of mine said, hey, let's move to Spain. I found this EFL program, which is teaching English as a foreign language, and I had no idea what what that was, but I knew that I wanted to travel the world. And so we went there. And the moment I stood in front of a classroom, I was like, this is me. I love teaching. I think that I was a natural born teacher. And so I got my teaching credentials there. And then I moved back here and did a couple of other things. Uh, I worked at Jesse's house when it was still in Northampton, um, which is a family homeless shelter, which is now in Amherst. And is that at the bottom of Hospital Yeah, Hill? exactly. Yeah. yeah. By Smith College. Yeah. It's uh, not there anymore? No, they actually switched places. I think it's now called Grace House. So there used to be one in Amherst and they're all CHD programs. Yeah. And so I think they just switched buildings. Um, but that was super fun. And obviously in Spain, I had learned to speak Spanish. So I now had that as a skill. And I just sort of moved into adult education, which was super
super fun. I love teaching adults. I taught ESL to adults for 15 years. And then I made the transition about five years ago to teaching in the public schools. And so I currently am working at West Springfield Middle School as an ESL teacher, which is something that I love doing so much. I love working with immigrants. I love the languages and the culture. And I love getting to be a part of like the immediate improvement of people's lives who have just moved to the country. I love that. And I love that you spent time in Spain. <coughs> How long were you in Spain for? I was there for two years. <coughs> nice. Um, I just got back from Spain earlier this year. My mother-in-law and I went. Where'd you go? Um, let's see. Madrid and Barcelona. I lived in Barcelona. I was there for the full two years. It's like the most beautiful <coughs> city of all time. I loved oh, it there. So, so beautiful. Yeah. Really, really beautiful. Um, yeah, it was something that she had done in college. She had gone there on a semester abroad. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that was in her memory for 50 years. And so I kept pushing her to do it and do it and do it. And so we finally went back. It was so great. Good. Yeah, so good. Um, so, so you teach English as a second language. How is that? How is that, you know, just now, like in the now where there's a lot of immigrants, we're having a lot of trouble taking care of people in this country. Um, how is that for you in the public school? It is amazing, actually. I work the public school that I work in at West Springfield Middle School. The the administration is so supportive of my autonomy to care for these children in the way that they need to be cared for. And I actually, the group of children that I work with are children who have um, limited or interrupted formal education, which means that they are either coming from, you know, they were born into refugee camps and maybe didn't have the opportunity to go to school or they're coming from some South American countries where they um, (laughs) haven't really had consistent access to education and they are scared and they are overwhelmed with the transition here and I love getting to like open my arms and welcome them in and say you're going to be okay and this is how we do things and really orient them to American culture and American schools and at least my experience in the school that I work at is is overwhelmingly positive um, towards immigrants. And how are they finding West Springfield? Like is there... A higher population of immigrants coming to West Springfield versus other towns or West Springfield actually is one of the most diverse communities I've ever seen and I have to admit that I did not know that before I took the job there Um, but the school that I am in is you the amount of languages is diverse the dress is diverse the skin color is diverse the countries that they're coming from is super diverse so I'm not sure how West Springfield turned into this sort of mecca of of diversity but it is a very as far as I can see welcoming and open community to immigrants yeah I I think about that a lot you know driving through on the 91 corridor that you know some places some towns in western mass are not that diverse and others are more diverse so I would think just in terms of where West Springfield is located on the map and and close to different highways and byways like I feel like it would be a really diverse place to be it's super cool yeah yeah Yeah. and so so the kids are coming in you're teaching them English as a second language you know Are there a lot of other supports that they need, you know, just from the school to get from the school or from the from the community that you're having to provide either at the school or 
There's a lot of intrinsic um, supports within the school system, um, and there is a lot of language support and logistical support available to the kids as they into and their families as they integrate into the school system. Um, and in addition, a lot of the kids that I work with are many of them are homeless. They're coming into the Clarion Hotel, which has a contract with the state to provide housing to shelter overflow, um, and so children who are homeless also have a ton of supports available to them within the school system, whether that's transportation or extra funding or, um, you know, supports such as that. Yeah, I haven't heard recently of a lot of immigrants being housed here, but we have uh, a hotel down by the bowling alley um, in Northampton that gets a lot of overflow um, refugee populations. And then I work for Greenfield Savings Bank and in Greenfield, we've been having a lot of um, of immigrants coming in uh, recently um, up there as well. So yeah, it's not just a, a West Springfield no. problem or a Hamden County problem. You know, I think there's a lot of places, you know, we hear about New York City more um, these days and sort of the, the immigrant uh, plight that's happening right now. Um, so, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, you know, as a mom of, of two kids who are um, seven and ten, you know, it's hard enough for us to get through the day and we have a roof over our head and we have a lot of privilege um, and ability to, to do things. But I just can't imagine, you know, being a kid that's coming from a place with, you know, war torn country or, you know, some sort of famine or some other issue that's making them leave um, to live in a hotel to have to figure it all out all yeah, over again. Yeah, I have again. a ton of empathy for the families. And like I said, I just love getting to be one of the faces of welcoming them into the United States and into our communities and sort of providing that. I like to think of it like a, a big warm hug to them, you know, like yeah. you're here and you're safe and let's get you sorted out. And so how long does it take for kids to really kind of integrate to the language and um, start to get some of their their language skills started? So it really depends on a lot of things, right? It depends on their um, their background in their own education system, whether they have a history of like understanding what school's like and how to go through school. It depends on how much they want to integrate as opposed to how much they want to sort of stick with people who speak their own language, kids who speak their own language within the school system. Obviously, that takes a little bit longer. So, But I would say that within a school year, kids are usually able to participate in a really meaningful way in all of their classes. It's amazing. It is amazing. Kids so learn so fast. Being there for oh. them. Um, it's so important to have that warm hug and that friendly face. Um, but somehow we're already at our first break, so we need to do that. I'm Tara Brewster. You've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm here today with Rachel Martins, and we're going to talk about some more things when we get back. Thank you so much for listening. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm so excited to be talking to Rachel Martins today, who is a teacher and also a life coach, which we'll hear more about in a little bit. But uh, on the break, I was asking Rachel if she knew my friend Carolyn Gear from ILI, and you said... 
that Carolyn Gear is one of my favorite people in the world. I spent about 11 years working at ILI as a, a teacher of adult ESL, and I love ILI so, so very much. And I always joke with Carolyn that it's one of my goals to get back to working there. Um, and ILI, for everyone who doesn't know, is the International Language Institute in Northampton um, in the D.A. Sullivan building um, right on the corner of downtown by the Academy of Music. And Carolyn is also the partner of Jim Olson, who everyone knows and loves from the Parlor Room and Signature Sounds and from the Green River Fest. So um, big heart bubbles to you, Carolyn um, and Jim, for being such great influencers in the Pioneer Valley. Um, and so, okay, so you're a teacher and then you also have this coaching business. So did teaching sort of, was that the base for your coaching business or did coaching kind of come from somewhere else? Actually, the two are sort of separate from each other. I got into coaching as my own personal development sort of journey. I had for so many years what I now know was a very unmanaged mind. And then I sort of found some information about coaching and I was really interested and I got into a, a couple of books like The Secret got me there and Jen Sincero is a brilliant writer who talks a lot about coaching and I learned things like that you don't have to believe all of your thoughts and that you can choose your thoughts which impact how you feel about life and I my mind was just blown wide open by that and as I delved deeper into getting a personal coach of my own um, it sort of dovetailed with my parenting journey um, I have three children who range in age from 10 to 16, three daughters. And parenting was really hard for me. I did not come to it naturally. I had a very difficult relationship with my oldest daughter. Um, I thought that she was a quote unquote hard child. And there was a lot of conflict. And coaching introduced me into a way of examining my relationship with her and with my other daughters and, and realizing that it had a lot to do with, with me and myself. And so from that, was was born my coaching career and so how does your daughter feel about this I, I don't know if you talk to her or talk, or talk about her a lot um during your coaching practice or like as as a foundation for why you're here how is she how are you and her now or how does she feel about being not the guinea pig for your coaching or for your life but I guess for for your parenting journey. Yeah, I'm not sure that she knows explicitly actually how much she was the guinea pig for my my parent coaching. Um, but if you ask her, she will say that our relationship is better now than it ever has been. And truly, the relationship that we have has been transformed. We communicate now in ways that we never could have. We have an openness and a connection that we definitely didn't have that I craved so much when she was younger and just couldn't figure out how to get there. Um, and so I think that she really feels and notices the improvement in our relationship. Although it's funny you asked that, I should probably explicitly tell her at some point, like how <laughs> instrumental she's been in yeah. my professional journey as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's so important to just acknowledge, you know, the people in your life and to say, hey, you know, this this is what I've learned from you or because of you or thank you or whatever, but yeah, she'll probably yeah. appreciate it. Probably more in the future than, yes. than at 16, but... Um, yeah, three daughters. I, I like just cringed a little bit because I'm like, oh, my 10 year old wanted me to do a messy bun on the top of her hair today. And I did it like my style, like a 44 year old mom style. And she was like, mom, wrong. 
this is like everything I do right now is wrong. So I'm just having to like be like, okay, I'm sorry. Deep we'll breaths. watch some videos tonight. Maybe I can practice on your hair. <laughs> we'll just we'll try again. Yeah, we She's don't like, take anything mm, personally. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like yeah. Um, so so that's great. I mean, you know, I feel like so often so many of us don't step back from you know our personal relationships and actually look at the i in in the relationship and think about how i can change how i can be different what is my role in this um so what are some of the the things that sort of stood out to you in your relationship that that raised flags maybe that it wasn't just your daughter or just the other person well, I just, there was so much conflict, right? Like, um, whenever I tried to talk to her, there would be conflict. Or whenever I asked her to do something, there would be conflict. There was just so much conflict and fighting and her not cooperating. And I think that society really tells us that children should cooperate with their parents. Children should listen to their parents, right? And so when that was happening, I my dialogue in my head was, what is wrong with her? How can I fix her? And then when I really stepped back and I looked at the relationship and thought about how I was showing up to that relationship, I realized that it had very little to do with her, right? She is a normally developing child, as are all three of my children. And it was the way that I was showing up to that relationship and sort of trying to control outcomes and demand that things be done my way. And I was like so critical of your room is such a mess and you're not listening and you're not eating the right things and too much screen time, like all of these things. And I realized that I would be come to that relationship with conflict as well, right? Like if someone was always coming to me telling me what I was doing wrong and what I had to do and really like with that tight grasp on control that I wouldn't really want to show up very lovingly to that relationship as well. So the funny thing about it is that once we start to realize that it's us, it's so liberating, right? Because when we are in victim mentality of like it's everybody else, you can't control anybody else. And so it's frustrating. You're like, well, how will I get anywhere? I I don't I can't control them whether it's my kids or my boss or my husband or whoever but when you realize that it's you who has to make the changes that is maybe not easy but simple because we have control over ourselves 100% of the time and that sort of goes back to what you were saying earlier about you know what you're telling yourself in your head and how you can create your own like playback right exactly exactly yeah yeah and so um when parents come to you, are parents the main like people, your clients? Are they are they parents? Yes. Yeah. So parents are coming to you. They're finding you. How are they finding you? Well, I have an Instagram page and I have a website and then word of mouth um, and then things like this, right? Just getting my name out there in the community. And so what's your website? RachelMartinsCoaching.com. Martins with an S. Okay. And so, so people find you at your website or however they find you, maybe because you're, you're in the education system too and you have three kids. Um, what are they coming to you saying? Like what is the parent's number one issue that really makes them reach out to you? So really it's that I want to improve my relationship with my child. It's not going well. We fight a lot. They don't listen to me. I want to be closer. I want there to be more openness, right? Something about their relationship with their child feels like it could be better. Either it's 
not great and they want to improve it or it's okay and they want it to be great. Um, and so they come to me saying, I want to improve the relationship with my child. And also sometimes it's that parenting has started to feel like a slog, right? It makes that we feel like we are the, the managers, right? We're just managing our children's life. We're telling them what to do. We're cleaning up after them. We're managing all of their stuff. And I think that most of us, when we had kids, that wasn't the plan, right? The plan was to have kids and have fun and have a loving relationship and do fun things with them and have experiences. And it can easily sort of get derailed by all of the expectations on both parents and children. Um, and so they sometimes just come to me and they say, I want this to feel better. I want this to be more fun. I want this to be more joyful. So it's usually those two situations that bring parents to me. And are you doing coaching with the parents by themselves or individual parents or parents together? or the whole family? So it's not for the whole family. It is mostly just parents, and it tends to predominantly be moms, although we are always open to dads as well being involved. But I find that moms are often the drivers of, of really wanting to improve the emotional closeness in a relationship <laughs> or the logistical closeness in the family. And so, yeah, I usually work with just one parent who is looking to make changes in their relationship. Yeah, I feel like the moms wear like the the emotional raincoat of love, you know, it's like that's like their most important thing that they want to really work on that, that we all come with, right? I think I think women come with that a lot, like wearing that emotional intelligence sort of lens rather than something else that is in the backseat. Totally. Yeah. Um well, that's really interesting. I mean, I I think that, um, you know, in, in the next segment, I would love to talk about how it looks now versus pre-COVID even, because I think that this situation that you're talking about with like the parent kids struggle might also be exacerbated because of COVID, because of the stressors that we've all had put on us. Um, I'm interested to see kind of what your take is um, on that. But once again, we're at another break. Um, so we have to take a break. Rachel Martins, um, coach, educator. Um, it's been really great. And we have to take a break. So we'll be right back. This is Tara Brewster. You've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. Thank you so much. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I'm here today with Rachel Martins, who's talking about and being an educator, being a coach, and her own parenting journey that sort of led her to where she is now. Um, so what are you seeing, Rachel, in the now? Like, is it different than the before times, pre-COVID? How are kids? How are families? How are people showing up? Well, I do think that kids are struggling a little bit more a little bit more emotionally since COVID. I think that there's been a noted rise in mental health issues among children, antisocial stuff, right? Because kids were so isolated for so long. I'm also seeing that in the school. There's like the kids who sort of miss those foundational K through three years are struggling to like know how to do school and have some of the foundational skills. And also one of the things that I think was irrevocably changed during the pandemic, particularly with children, is the screen time situation because because I know that I had like pretty strict screen time rules before the, the pandemic hit. And then all of a sudden, that was the only way that my kids could socialize. And so that got 
slippery, right? That got messy in there and you can't really close the barn door once it's open. And so I see a lot of conflict around screen time and around the norms of that within families um, compiled with sort of kids just their emotional well-being and their emotional skills that sort of got a little bit stymied during that time as well. And so how are you suggesting or coaching around that particular issue around screen time? And, you know, is there like a standard that you're using or suggestions and tools that you're trying to teach to parents to hold the line generally, not just with this? Yeah, you know, screen time for me is a complicated issue because I think that it's like detrimental to my kids in a lot of ways. And also it's it's mixed in and it's never going to go away. Um, but the way that I coach around screen time and everything else is that I believe that connection to our kids is the most important thing and that connection over correction is always going to be the thing. So when you see your kids overusing screens or you get you get triggered by their use of screens and I know personally like I'll come in and say put that down you've been on it for so long if you can take a deep breath and you can pause and find a different approach that really prioritizes your connection to your child then I think that that connection sort of overrides all of the rest of it screen time nutrition uh physical activity academics chores like all of it um if i really we really have the focus of our coaching be a lot of prioritizing connection over correction on every front and by connection you mean sitting down with your kids going for a walk like what does connection look like for parents so connection can look different for every parent but really what it means is that the opening between you and your child so whether that is just like giving them space to talk whether that is choosing to prioritize you know heart to heart connection um the more you can do it with things that are important to your children as opposed to things that are important to you, the easier it is to do. I know like I love taking hikes and my kids hate it. And I'm like, let's go take a hike. We're going to take a hike. And that's where I want to find the connection. But that is going to be conflicty. Right. So I think that a big hurdle for parents is recognizing what do they like to do and meeting them there, which sort of harkens back to the conversation we had earlier about it not being about them so much as it being about us. How are we showing up to the relationship? Are we demanding that they connect with us in the ways that we want to connect? Or are we open and non-judgmental to be able to enter into the things that they like doing as a way of connecting with them? And for some people that might involve screen time, right? Like if you have a kid who loves playing video games and you're having a hard time connecting with them and you're always like, you play video games too much, too much, too much. What if you sat down with your kid and you played video games with them? That's a way to connect. So really the sky is the limit when we talk about how to connect with our children, but just sort of any way that allows you two to come together and have some, you know, loving connection between the two of you. And so, you know, I think the connection piece is really important, but also you've said this a lot, the communication piece. So how do you just coach around communicating with your kids? Um, is there a way that, you know, parents can talk to their kids so that their kids will listen? 
Absolutely. So part of what makes communication difficult with children, particularly as they get into the teen and tween years, is that we know so much as parents and we want to tell it all to our kids, right? So like they're struggling in school and they come to you and they say, I've got this teacher who's giving me a really hard time and he's not fair and he's a bad teacher. And what we would naturally do and what the conventional parenting wisdom is, is we tell them that teachers are right and that they're good and some teachers are hard to work with, but you learn with them and you have to just do it. But they don't want to hear that, right? Like our kids do not want to be lectured by us. So there's sort of a four-step approach that I teach in my coaching, which the very first step, so when your child comes to you with some sort of upset, whether that's anger or sadness or frustration or whatever it is, the very first thing that we need to do as parents is to regulate ourselves, right? Because if your p- child comes to you with some sort of upset, it is likely going to trigger something in you that's going to make you feel worried or angry or anxious or whatever, and your kids feel that. So the very first thing that we need to do is sort of be a neutral vessel for our children to come with these big emotions and big stories. And sort of the most basic first step there is getting your face right. And I remember, you probably remember this from when your kids were like really little and they would get hurt or something, and you can't show your panic in their face because our kids look at us and they read all of our emotions, right? So the first thing that we do is we get our face right, we take a deep breath, we regulate ourselves and our emotions, and we come to as neutral as a place as we can. And then we shut up and we listen. The problem that parents face so often is that we talk too much and we don't listen enough, particularly as our kids get a little bit older. And so what our children want probably 80% of the time is to feel heard and to feel understood And that is often enough. So the second step is to shut up and listen. And most of the time, that's it, right? Like your kid comes to you upset, you get your face right, you regulate yourself, you listen, and usually they're then off on their way and have moved past whatever the thing was. If that's not the case, the next step is to offer empathy, right? Which I think often gets confused with um, like, letting them do whatever they want, but this is really just validating how they're feeling, not condoning anything, right? So my teacher is so stupid and he gives me so much homework and I hate him so much. And you say, wow, that sounds like it must be really overwhelming, right? And so we validate their feelings. We let them know that we understand how they're feeling and then that is usually really enough. But if you need one more step, the last step in keeping with what we were talking about during the break is then asking them, what do you want to do to solve this, right? And they usually have an idea and it's usually not a great idea. (laughs) And we usually want to say, oh, that's not a great idea. You should do this thing. And that's what we need to not do. We need to let them try the idea that is probably not a great idea see it through, and then evaluate it afterwards. And so that is our sort of gold standard of, of how to communicate with our kids, right? We get our, we regulate ourselves, we listen, we empathize, offer validation, and then we ask them what they wanna do. And I always joke with a friend that the simplified version of this is when our kid comes to us upset, we say, that sucks, what do you wanna do? And that's it, right? Like we offer validation and then we give them the space to try and solve the problems themselves because that is a critical skill that our children need to develop. And I think it's great. I mean, really, like I was just trying to think about what do I do or what do I don't do? What steps am I doing or not doing? And I think it depends, right? It depends on how you're showing up that day. It depends on how 
what's happened to you and and what's been triggering to you in a day. So I think that, you know, even in the COVID conversation, you know, the parent coming out of the COVID conversation, it's like, I think all of us as parents, the ones that I talk to are just overwhelmed every day. So I think it's really hard to come to that interaction with your kids where there is a, there is a, disparity between who's in charge and who's not and you know who's giving the orders or who's taking them um to just come with a really empathetic ear yeah totally empathy and listening are the secret sauce i think you know and the irony of it is that it's easier right like it's so hard to try and find all the answers to tell our kids to do all the things so that it's the right path and and they're you know getting what they need and the irony is that if we could just like do it the easier way for us as parents it's actually better for our children both in the short term and the long term well i think it's better for us too to like not have to have all the answers and not have to like pitch all of the solutions yeah and something else that's interesting to think about with the solutions is this idea that like we have i have a 46 year old solution which is not appropriate to a 10 year old problem right her 10 year old solutions are the ones that she needs to work through so even though i might know the right quote unquote right answer it's not appropriate for her and she needs to be able to find her own solution try it out and see what happens from there i love it I'm going to try to think about that when I go home tonight. So I was telling you about the messy bun um, scenario from this morning. And I, like I said, I have a 10 year old and a seven year old with my 10 year old daughter. I just cannot do anything right anymore. So having to woosah, that's like my term. I'm like, okay, just got to take a breath, come into my body and just like, let it go, you know, because that's frustrating as a parent to not be able to either fix it or to do the thing that you want to do in the right way. And, um, So anyways, here we are again, another break. Uh, I've been talking to Rachel Martins, and this is Tara Brewster. You've been listening to the Western Mass Business Show. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show. I'm Tara Brewster, and I am so excited to be just talking about uh, all of these things with you, Rachel Martins. Um, And I'm second-guessing all of my parenting choices, so if anyone out there is listening that's a parent... Hang in there. It's okay. You're fine. You're probably doing it fine. You're all doing it fine. You're doing it better. Um, And so... Rachel, you had said one thing earlier in the show um, that I hadn't heard before, um, this term called snowplow parenting. Can you describe that a little bit more um, for all of us? Yeah, so I think that um, us parents have really been sold this bill of sale that we it's our obligation to make our children's life as easy and enjoyable as possible. And so we, in the name of doing that, it is really easy to eliminate all of our children's problems for them or at least try to and what this means is like they are in the class that they don't want to be in and we call the school and we fix it or they're not getting enough playing time on the team and so we call the coach and we ask them to fix it or they're having a fight with their friends so we call their friend's parent and we try and fix it or whatever the problem is we work to eliminate it for our children and while it is really well-meaning and it is very societally acceptable 
it causes harm to our children, actually, because what it does is it robs our children of the opportunity to learn how to solve their own problems, to learn how to overcome obstacles, to learn how to move through these challenges in life. And they are eventually, God willing, going to leave our homes and they are going to have to do all of these things on their own. And if we don't give them the opportunity to do them while they're in the safety of our home, then we are actually doing them an injustice in the name of being a quote unquote good parent and eliminating all of the harm and and obstacles and trouble for them. And so I know that there's no parent handbook, obviously. Um, And, you know, I think that there are a lot of well-meaning parents out there that do do all of the things that you're talking about, especially in more affluent areas, like whether it's, you know, the scandal that happened with the the parents who were getting their, you know, kids into Ivy League schools or whatever. But, you know, I also think that that one of the problems is that there's not this like circle of trust for parents. So so what could you give like what tips could you give to parents to sort of like talk it out, you know, to to have this like group mentality, group coaching, if you will, um, more organized and more like of a trust scenario, because I think that's a lot of it, too, is it's the fear that we're not doing it right or we're not doing enough or we're not being honest with ourselves or our partners or um, our parent circles, um, you know, do you have any circles of trust that, that you can tell us about, um, that we should form for our own families and children? Well, I do think that one of the most important things that we can have as parents is a community to, to be able to be honest in, to be able to rely on, to be able to vent to, to be able to just like discuss these issues. And I'm fortunate enough to have a very strong community of, of moms that I can go to and I can say, this is happening and it's so hard and they just listen and hold space for me. If you're not fortunate enough to have that in your own life, there's so many spaces online where you can find it. But I think that this is an invaluable part of being a parent is having this community to support you because parenting is so hard. And I just want to be really clear that like all of the things that I am talking about as a parenting coach, I still go through with my own children. Uh, you know, I, I went through it with my 16 year old last night. I She was in a really bad way and I could see a place that I could solve the problem for her. I could eliminate the problem for her. And I didn't because I knew that that was not in her best interest. And it hurt my heart so much. It was so hard to sit there with that. And I fortunately could go to my husband and say, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. I feel so crappy right now after doing the right thing. So I think having a place where you can be vulnerable and open and honest is so, so important in parenting. And if if a coach is the place to do that, that's a valuable place to do it. If an online forum or a parenting group in your community or just a group of friends or family or whoever it is. So will you tell us your website once again and then also your Instagram handle? Sure. My website is rachelmartinscoaching.com. Again, Martins with an S. I did not know when I married into that name that the S would be so hard to hear. (laughs) Um, But rachelmartinscoaching.com. And I'm on Instagram at rachelmartinscoaching as well. And I love to give um, sort of tools and strategies on my Instagram page as much as possible. Uh, I also like to sprinkle in there a couple of 
my own parenting sort of humorous fails so that we can know that we are all humans just like doing our best. Um, and to your comment about sort of questioning your own parenting decisions, we are so human and we are showing up for our kids with love all the time. And that is really the most important thing. Um, and just giving ourselves a lot of grace when it doesn't go well and loving ourselves through it. Um, and I think another piece that's really important to, t to think about and to talk about is that particularly parents of my generation, we grew up in a time of like seen and not heard or my way or the highway or I'll give you something to cry about, right? Like no one was talking about how to create an emotionally open and connected relationship with their children. It just wasn't a, a thing. And so while we might come to parenting with this desire to create this relationship, we really don't have the tools and we don't have the strategies and it's not our fault, um, but it is our responsibility to find them and to create them and to sort of move into what we want, which is why I think that this coaching work is so, so important because it's it's not our fault that we don't have these tools um, and it's hard to figure out where to find them. And also a lot of us, to your point, didn't have great parent-child relationships growing up and a lot of the sort of historical trauma gets passed down generation to generation. generation um, and it just <laughs> sort Absolutely. of happens to just keep like getting layered on on top of each other absolutely and in addition to that sometimes when our kids like when our kids need compassion instead of correction it can trigger in us a time that we didn't get that and then it's hard to offer it so i i do think it's really important for us as parents and people to notice when we are feeling triggered by some of our old wounds and to, to give ourselves a minute, whether that means to say to your child, I, I love you so much and I want to talk to you about this, but I just need to take five minutes and go give myself a little time out and give myself the love that I need so that I can then show up in this in this other way. And, you know, you also mentioned your Instagram um, and how you get like these little videos or little um, snippets of, of just looking in and, and giving some feedback. And I do want to say that before you came in today, I was on your Instagram and it was really helpful to watch the videos and to, to hear your words and to kind of see what you're trying to talk about and what you're trying to instill in parents. And I really appreciated that. So I think people should go to your Instagram because it's a really great kind of bite-sized way to, to see and to hear and to think about sort of what you're trying to teach. I love that. Thanks yeah, for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Um, and so, you know, what would your kids say um, about all of this? Like what, what kind of feedback would your kids say about going through this experience as your children? Gosh, that's a really good question. I My younger kids probably don't as much remember the me before coaching, the me that yelled a lot and that was trying to control all of the outcomes. But I know that my, like I said, my oldest daughter, she was... 12 before I really was able to get a hold on what was going on and make significant changes. And she has said to me, which any of you who have a 16 year old girl in your life, you might know that they don't say things like this very often. But she has said to me, I'm so grateful, mom, that our relationship is better now. I really love it the way that it is. That's so amazing. And I love that um, it's just an example of 
it's never too late to change. It's never too late to change. Um, well, Rachel Martins with an S at the end. Um, it's been really great to have you on the show. I appreciate you coming on and talking about all of these things because especially to me, it's it's a very important and um, realized uh, conversation that I have every day with myself. But while, while I'm having some gratitude, I also like to thank Business West, who's a sponsor of the show, um, providing so many great um, informational tools and conversations, interviews with people all around the region um, through their publications online and all of the events that they do. Also to Greenfield Savings Bank, my employer who lets me be this um, wild mare out in the world um, doing good work. And to Craig De La Pena, who's my neighbor in Florence, who also has Sugar Maple Trail set in, in addition to being a realtor. Thank you so much to Rachel Martins for coming on today. And thank you everyone for listening. This is Tara Brewster on the Western Mass Business Show. See you soon. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.